Hello, welcome to Army of Crime. This is Matt, and I'm here with my co-host, Dustin. And this episode, we are looking at The Goddamned, written by Jason Aaron and drawn by R.M. Guerra, and the Roger Corman-directed Vincent Price-starring film The Raven, a very, very loose, very loose adaptation of the Edgar Allan Poe poem The Raven. That is correct, Matt. Thoughts on the Goddamned, which is an amazing title. I will get out of the way right off the bat. So uh, the Goddamned is a comic book that is, is currently. Excuse me. Nothing. I was going to say that it, that you are correct. It is a comic book. Ah, right. So far, we are in agreement. Yes. There are five issues of it. There are more to come potentially, but it's been on a hiatus for a while. It is set in the biblical past uh, before Noah's Ark when the world had gone to wickedness and the main character is Cain who has been cursed with some sort of immortality because of his slaying of his brother. So it's sort of a reimagining of this biblical story or of these biblical stories. Um, which I think from the outset is sort of an interesting premise, but I'm not sure that Jason Aaron, the writer, kind of reconfigures this into sort of an action movie template, template with the uh, with Kane being sort of like the wandering nameless badass who like kills bad guys by the dozen. The and, Clint Eastwood slash Yojimbo character. Right. And he is sort of like the callous, you know, hard-boiled cool guy who doesn't give an F. And I'm not sure that, like, overall, you know, I, that I found it to be, you know, it's more interesting in theory than I think it really worked as a story. I think the visuals by uh, R.M. Guerra are really interesting, and I think that he does a great job with like all the little details and the colorist whose name I don't have in front of me, I think also does a great job in creating this world. That's sort of, that almost looks kind of like uh, ancient and also sort of post-apocalyptic where everything is just like fallen, fallen apart and like rotting and trashed. Um, and I also did like the fact that in the comic, the character of Noah, like Noah and his family is sort of like this warlord who's like going around killing people to cut down trees to like build his ark. And I thought that was kind of like an interesting subversion. But in general, the uh, transmuting these biblical stories into like a sort of badass action story, I um, thought was less successful. And also to use the parlance of our times, I found it to be a bit edgelord it is a bit edgelord so i was on board with this it looked interesting the art by rm Guerra. the art is amazing the art is great there's a lot of uh vistas there's a lot of great character designs you get it's like a post-apocalyptic bronze age is like the is the visual which i was i thought was great so i was totally on board with the visual style i can buy kane as like the wandering outcast because that sort of jives with 
the uh, the premise of the, I guess the character. Do we call him a character? He's from the Bible. He's a Bible character. Yeah. So I was sort of on board with that, but yeah, I don't feel like it ever really found something interesting to say. I guess you know it's an interesting idea because you have like a post-apocalyptic Bronze Age setting. The Bible tells us that the world fell into wickedness. It never doesn't go into a ton of detail of what that might look like, but in theory, we're looking at a world so terrible that God just decided to completely destroy it and start over. So it must be pretty bad, right? So I'm on board with that. I'm on board with the aesthetic. Like I said, I think the art is great by R.M. Guerra. There's a lot of really nice splash pages. Yeah, I don't know if it ever really comes together. Yeah, as a creative reinterpretation of the beginning of the Bible, basically, it doesn't really seem to have much. Like, I think the uh, reinterpreting Noah as sort of like this wandering warlord is sort of interesting. But How did you feel about the intentionally anachronistic dialogue because there is in fact a lot of cursing and there doesn't seem to be any attempt to have people talk like they may have talked from some sort of far off time period yeah i mean i was i guess sort of mixed on that because i feel like again if i can use the term edgelord i feel like the dialogue was sort of intentionally leaned on as much cursing as possible which i'm not you know opposed to but i feel like there was a a lack of maybe creativity. And um, I mean, I don't really expect quote unquote realism because, you know, what language did people speak at that time? I have not the slightest idea. And how did they speak? I mean, we don't really know. Right. Um, it's a extremely fuzzy sort of time period. Because so even if you have them a... talk like Shakespearean or something like that's going to be just as anachronistic as right um, anything else. But I did feel like the dialogue kind of leaned on a shock value maybe a little too much at times you know i've had this experience by reading other uh jason aaron comics where i feel like there's an interesting premise that draws me in and then it's just like in terms of like shock value or whatever you want to call it it's just like everything is always cranked up to 11 at all times and beyond that it doesn't really seem like there's all that much going on i mean as sort of a creative reinterpretation of the book of Genesis, there's really not much interesting um, being said or really being done here. Once you get over, once you get into the idea of Cain as a wandering badass who says the F word a lot, like well, there's really not much else, not much else going on in my humble opinion. Yeah, I would basically agree with that. I think the strong point ends up being the art. So kudos to R.M. Guerra. No, I agree overall. I think it's an interesting premise. I think the art is good. It feels like we're reading just the first little blurb of something. And as of now, it is basically a finished item. We don't really know if it'll ever come back. It came out, I mean, it's almost two years old now. Yeah, I believe they are working on issue six and on... Um, but I'm not sure if if and when it's ever going to come out. So as of right now, it's just... And as you said, he leans into a lot of these action movie conventions. You know, he's the guy that doesn't care. But then someone makes him care. Until he does care. Yeah. Which is not bad. There's nothing wrong with a convention. But you, you do need to have more into it. It doesn't... And there's this religious angle, I feel like. And I'm not sure how I feel about it. It, it talks... 
Cain obviously dislikes God and looks at the world and says, you know, God has screwed up the planet. I could be on board with some kind of commentary like that, but I don't feel like it really lands it. I think it's kind of an afterthought. What else is there to say about the goddamned? I guess it's not. I mean, it's not terrible. No, um, I mean, it was worth a read. Yeah, it's fine. The highlight is definitely the visual, the visuals. Yeah, you've got like the post-apocalyptic Bronze Age, which is a very original setting. And there's monsters and giants. Theoretically, if it did come back and they made more issues, and of course, someone listening to this in the future, there could be 600 issues of it or something. I don't know. Theoretically, it could become interesting. I mean, like I said, it is a good setting. The art is good. Not everything is a hit right out of the gate. A last thought on The Goddamned. Which I will say again is a really good title. It is a good title. It's a good premise. And like I said, the visuals are really nice. I just wish that beyond the premise and beyond, you know, it seemed like the only real idea that he had was making Cain from the Bible like a, you know, action movie, bad, a stoic action movie badass who goes around killing people by the dozen. And beyond that, there really wasn't much, much else going on. Unfortunately, I feel like it's sort of a missed opportunity a little bit. All right, so next, we have something completely different. The Raven from 1963, directed by Roger Corman. Starring Vincent Price, Peter Lorre, Boris Karloff, and a young Jack Nicholson. Yes. And this is a very loose adaptation of the Edgar Allan Poe poem, The Raven. And if you're wondering why would someone adapt the Edgar Allan Poe poem, The Raven, into a film, it's because Roger Corman and Vincent Price had embarked on this series of films adapting Edgar Allan Poe stories and uh, into horror films. And so I guess they were kind of running out of material. So that's why they came to the poem, The Raven. And it's obviously adapting a poem into a film. It uh, just kind of takes the the poem and then there's a, a, there is a raven in the story and there is a, a woman named Lenore. And other than that, it's uh, an, basically an, uh, an original idea. And it's surprisingly is also a comedy. Yes. And I actually forgot to mention the screenplay was written by Richard Matheson, author of the incredible sci-fi book, I Am Legend, as well as other books considered sort of a classic sci-fi fantasy author. So there's yeah. actually quite a pedigree on this thing. Yeah. Um, and... I was listening to the, um, I don't know how, how you watch it, but I have the Vincent Price Blu-ray set, and there's an interview with him that sort of leads off the film, which was recorded for Iowa Public Television in like the 80s, where it's like him introducing the film. And he mentions that Richard Matheson had written some like funny like one-liners into the script, and then the actors kind of like improved with it and took it away into like the the comedy direction. And he also admits up front that it has very little to do with the uh, Edgar Allan Poe poem, The Raven. 
So what did you think about it as a movie? Overall, I enjoyed it. I, you know, it starts out and it actually was able to uh, ring a few uh, chuckles out of me when you have, not with like terribly clever humor, but like uh, just seeing like Vincent Price who, and I guess part of it is just the upending of expectations in terms of oh, Vincent Price always being like a weird, creepy guy and seeing him as sort of like, at times kind of a bumbler, like hitting his head on stuff and that kind of thing um, did actually get a few chuckles out of me. And then there's a, a talking raven in the beginning voiced by Peter Lorre, which also made me laugh a few times. Um, towards the middle, when they go to uh, Boris Karloff's uh, evil castle, I feel like they kind of, uh, the jokes were not coming as much it seemed like they kind of got away from that a little and then but then there's also towards the end like this like really silly kind of like wizard duel where they're like throwing magic spells at each other which i found to be kind of fun so overall i mean this is definitely not one of the best films from this edgar Allan poe cycle of films with vincent price and roger corman but i did uh think it was kind of fun it's not like gonna change anyone's life but it's uh worth a hoot and i because I, I like these actors too i love boris karloff and peter Lorre and vincent price so just seeing them like goof off for 80 minutes was... i thought it was a nice bit of fun i felt like it's it, even at the short runtime of i think 86 minutes it does start to feel a little long i think the material gets a little thin you mentioned kind of in the middle part between the wizard duel and the kind of jokes at the beginning where he's trying to turn Peter Lorre back into a human. But I think yeah. it is a, a nice bit of fun. You know, ironically, I think the actor who is uh, the least entertaining or, or is prepared the least for the material is uh, Jack Nicholson, who obviously would go on to be like a huge you know movie star superstar of all time um but he is like through this middle part of the film is basically asked to do some kind of like wacky reactions and sort of this like sliding doors or slamming doors kind of like farcical comedy where he's like running between rooms and being like oy, 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 oh my god um and that kind of stuff didn't really work um ironically because I mean, he has done comedy, obviously, since then, and is a really good actor, but for whatever reason, it just he did not seem that as equipped to, to work with the material. But like I said, I really like um, Vincent Price and Boris Karloff, and Peter Laurie was also a lot of fun. I like the, um, what did you think of the uh, the wizard duel at the end it's it's basically like they're sitting vincent price and boris karloff are like sitting in chairs opposite each other like throwing spells right and you have like the 1960s special effects where they're shooting lasers and like bouncing them off each other's hands yeah but then there's like where he'll like throw a spear and it'll like go through him and then he goes up and it's like not really the real guy and he's like on a chandelier like ha yeah. ha ha. Like it's... Yeah, Vincent Price sitting on the chandelier uh, laughing wittily yeah. is a good time. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. Like I said, I felt like it even at the short runtime started to get a little thin in the middle, but it's 
a great set of actors. Yeah, and it, as you mentioned, it's interesting to see Vincent Price almost more of a straight man character. Yeah, he is, because Peter Lorre is sort of like the uh, more like outrageous character who's like always like getting into sorts of hijinks and getting turned into a raven more than once. And Boris Karloff is the evil sorcerer. Yeah, and I love Boris Karloff. He's just the best. I mean, obviously, this is the kind of role that Boris Karloff could like play in his sleep. Um, but he does, you know, he does a, a good job with what's there. I mean, he's all he's not really meant to be all that funny either. He's kind of like the the evil guy. It's like more like Peter Lorre and Vincent Price interacting that you get like the chuckles from. Right. Can I just say how awesome the characters' names are? Because the guy's oh, yeah. name is Dr. Craven, right? It's the Raven. His name is Dr. Craven. Yeah. And Boris Karlov plays Dr. Scarabus. So there's some good, like, wizard names. Yeah, wizards, huh? Yeah. How about those wizards? What was your recommendation? My recommendation was going to be Noah, directed by Darren Aronofsky. Oh, okay. The only other movie I can think of that attempts to capture the post-apocalyptic Bronze Age genre okay. that The Goddamned goes for. Probably a better movie than The Goddamned is a book. With less swearing, though. So if you're into swearing, the comic is probably going to be your first choice. But Noah is a good movie. I like the it's a post-apocalyptic Bronze Age. There's a lot of fantasy elements. I have seen Noah, and I, I really liked it. Yeah, it, it's um, it's again like similar to The Goddamned. It's a sort of creative reinterpretation of that part of the Bible, but I think it it takes it into a more into some more interesting creative directions instead of just kind of like converting it into an action movie. It has. It also has like uh, weird creatures in it, as I recall. Like, aren't there like these like rock monsters? I believe there are. They're the Nephilim, aren't they? Yeah, I I haven't seen it super recently, but that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, and there's an environmental message. Mankind is sort of ruining the earth. I think is more the message versus the excessive violence and debauchery, although that's in there as well. Yeah, I am a fan of the movie uh, Noah. I would definitely uh, second that recommendation. The one that the the recommendation that I was going to mention is another um, Vincent Price, Edgar Allan Poe, Roger Corman film. And I was going to ask you, man, have you seen any of the other films from this um, cycle? I've seen Mask of the Red Death. That was the one that I was going to recommend. Is uh, Mask of the Red Death, which is and that one is very good. Yeah, it's uh, fantastic. And unlike The Raven, um, they're, they're, it's taken totally seriously. So it's played for horror rather than for uh, chuckles. And it features, uh, again, Vincent Price. And it, um, it has this really stunning uh, color photography where... It uses like these, uh, like these, like bright, like primary colors to demarcate the various like tones and like the rooms in his like evil mansion, and then you know the idea of the red death and like this bright red that ends up being extremely menacing later in the uh, this like party 
sequence. And I believe it's actually lifting from two Edgar Allan Poe short stories. Yes, I believe it's an adaptation of The Mask of the Red Death with some material from Leapfrog, which I think is a, is a short story about a jester. Yeah, there is like a jester in it. And it's actually interesting because like The Raven, The Mask of the Red Death is directed by Roger Corman, but The Mask of the Red Death is also uh, photographed by Nicholas Rogue, who would go on to have a great career as a director himself. So I think you get kind of the advantage of having the visual eye behind the camera of a, a really good director in their own right, which I think uh, adds something to it because otherwise, like in The Raven, like kind of in the middle part of The Raven, you have the, the film starts to kind of deflate a little when you're on these like uh, these sets that look kind of like sets and there's really not all that much going on. There's like not a lot of like atmosphere to it, I feel like. Whereas in The Mask of the Red Death, I think it, it puts you in an old creepy castle and does effectively make it feel like old and creepy and menacing. Right. That movie is a much straighter adaptation. Obviously, it's a movie versus a, story, a short story, so you do have to pad it and add things. But it's a much straighter adaptation, whereas The Raven, you're basically taking a little bit from the beginning and then just making something up. Yeah. So I think that you would probably second that as well. You know, it's... Yeah. Well, before we uh, get out of here, then, do you have any uh, final thoughts you'd like to throw out there? Any interesting things happened to you lately? What's going on? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Cool, cool. You know what uh, was a good comic I read recently? The miniseries Wonder Twins by DC, which has the Wonder Twins in it. I actually enjoy it. They have a pet monkey. Do the Wonder Twins turn into a bucket of water, or one of? So they have they have different superpowers. They're twins. One's a uh, a girl, one's a boy. The boy can turn into water, and the boy uh, the girl can turn into an animal. They have to bump bump fists and say Wonder Twin powers activate. I'm not sure if they have to say the phrase or not. And after that, they can use their powers. So he can turn into different kinds of water. So he could turn into like a puddle. He could turn into steam. In fact, once they activate, they seem to be able to use them for a while after that. I'm not sure exactly the physics of the Wonder Twin powers, but they can turn into an animal or a bucket of water. You know, the animal thing is much more versatile because she turns into like a giant gorilla and like a shark and stuff. Although I could see situations where becoming water would be useful as well. Sounds kind of dumb. Spoiler alert. It's not dumb. It's kind of fun. Who you you said DC, but obviously they're just the parent company that owns the intellectual property. Who are the actual people who created this comic book? Uh, it is by Russell and Byron. Who is are that, is that? Two people or that is two people, and I'm not terrifically familiar with either of them to be honest. But I thought it was a fun series. I picked it up at my comic store. This is a true story, because. Some of it had come in damaged, and they were selling the first issue for $0.25 because the cover was all beat up. So I was like, oh, well, okay, for $0.25, cents, what what the heck? I thought it was fun. 
It's part of uh, DC has some kind of imprint where they're called Wonder Comics. It's a six issue miniseries. I don't know. I think it's fun. Is it called the Who Gives a f- Imprint? Just buy it. That is not what it's called, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was just curious if maybe that's what it was called. Um, a better comic that I've been reading lately is also Relay, which the last issue comes out, which is written by Zach Thompson. Relay is a tremendous series. Is that a is that a mini series then? It is a mini series. I didn't realize it was a mini series when I started reading it, but it is a mini series, and it seems to be sort of about the relationship between religion and in like institutionalized religion. So it'd almost be like if you could imagine the Roman Empire after converting to Christianity, having to find jesus or like find a garden of eden or something on earth something that has a direct literal connection to their own stated religion but of course we know that institutional religion does not always exactly follow the things that they claim to follow two incredibly different things that i was reading lately oh well that's fun Well, thanks for listening to our show. As always, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Army of Crime. Dustin is at Dustin44444. Website is armyofcrime.com. Feel free to leave comments or suggestions to us. Let us know what you thought. If you are listening to this, and if you can hear my voice, that means you are, in fact, listening to me on some sort of platform or device, or app, or program, or website. And we would very, 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 very much appreciate if you could leave a review. Reviews are super duper. I listen to uh, podcasts on the app Podcast Republic, which I recommend, and I think it's spiffy. We do not have any reviews yet on Podcast Republic. So if you are one of the people that listen to me on Podcast Republic, that would be great if you could leave a review. Isn't that right, Dustin? Reviews are fun and useful. I enjoy them. Yes. Everything we've covered and everything we've recommended on the website, if you feel the need to per-use any of them, you may definitely do so off the website, which helps support us a little bit and keep us in the luxurious podcaster lifestyle that we are accustomed to. Gotta make those boat payments. Remember, kids, eat trash and be free. tried to take a nap on my floor.